Hello, welcome back to Meraki Unboxed. My name is Simon Thompson, your host for today. This is episode 94 of the Meraki Unboxed podcast and our last of 2022. It's great to have you back with us once again. Uh, we have had so many fabulous episodes during the course of this year and all the way back, frankly, to the beginning of uh, Meraki Unboxed. So you know, don't think that you always only have to stay to the latest episodes. There's plenty of great stuff in the archive and very little of it has gone out of date even by this stage. So I would definitely recommend if you're interested in everything that we're doing at Cisco Meraki, please go back and have a look at that archive. I'm pretty sure you're going to find some topics that you'll find interesting in there. Uh, but we are turning today to one of the most interesting topics that's on everybody's minds uh, when they think about their networks and building those out. And particularly there, we're thinking about uh, security and one of the most, if not the preeminent uh, events that happens in the security space. We'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, but before I start that, uh, as I always say, we do love to get your suggestions and input for episodes uh, that we do here on Meraki Unboxed. So if you have any ideas, anything that you would like to, to uh, suggest we cover, or anything that you would even like to uh, do yourself and be part of Meraki Unboxed directly, uh, so that would be very welcome. And you can reach out to me uh, on email and simon at meraki.com is a very easy way to find me. Uh, and of course, I'm always monitoring that. So let me know what you have on your mind. And if we can, we'll get you incorporated into the podcast. Uh, we've got a brand new year coming up in 2023 and we're already lining up episodes for that. But of course, as I say, we're always looking for new ideas. Okay, so it's time to introduce our guests for today. And we're going to be getting into a conversation about the Black Hat security event. And to take us into that conversation, I want to welcome uh, Jessica and Evan to Meraki Unbox. Welcome to you both. How are you doing today? Thanks, Simon. We appreciate you having us. Thanks, Simon. Well, uh, it's great to have you. Thanks for taking the time. And let's just do quick introductions. Uh, so Jessica, we'll start with you. Uh, tell us about you and what you do for us at, here at Cisco. Well, thanks, Simon. My day job is I'm the director of the Cisco Secure Technical Alliance. What that means is if there's any security company that wants to integrate with a Cisco security product, we have an alliance of these alliance and BD managers that will help them with the documentation, get their own sandbox or not for resale instance of our technology, APIs, someone to talk to. So that's actually how I got involved in Black Hat is because I happen to do work on an integration with a partner, and we received that invitation, which we'll dig into. Mm -hmm. We certainly will, and very interesting to hear that, that we've got such good support for partners who want to, to integrate uh, with uh, via APIs. That's something that I know we care about very much at Meraki. We love the ecosystem partners we have out there, so that's good to hear. Evan, tell us about you. Yeah, so my goal is to provide a foundation so that together we, we can succeed. In my day job, this essentially means uh, essentially with the Meraki solution, which is a fantastic foundation uh, enabling our customers in public sector in, in the Northeast uh, to adopt Meraki and to essentially at the end of the day um, simplify their network operations so they could do things that are important 9 to 5. And if that includes troubleshooting, so be it. But mostly I care about them having uh, the ability to spend their time doing what they want. Uh, and not have to uh, worry about the network. Uh, and for Black Hat, that foundation means uh, leading a team of Meraki engineers and building the network that includes everything from systems manager, uh, Meraki access points, MRs, uh, switches, and firewalls uh, for uh, Black Hats. 
That must be quite scary. We're going to get back into that very soon. I think we'll, what we'll do is we'll return to that, Evan, because I definitely want to uh, ask you for uh, to tell us the story of what that experience was like. Um, but first of all, um, Jessica, let's, let's start off with a little uh, introduction to the event itself, uh, to Black Hat. Uh, what is it? How long has it been around? How did we get involved with that? Um, just give us a little background there. I appreciate the conversation. Black Hat's been around 25 years. It started with a bunch of college students getting together during the summer break to share ideas and it grew in popularity and they realized that they could, you know, they want some corporate folks wanted to come and they realized that they could take their money and make it into something bigger. And that's now the largest technical cybersecurity conference in the world. There's one other one that's larger in total size, but it's more business oriented. And we do stuff there as well, the security operations center at RSA conference. So this is where the technical folks get together. Those are actually pushing the buttons and trying to protect. So back when they first started Black Hat, they didn't want to use the Wi-Fi of the facility. They built their own network. And when you have a network, you need a network operation center or a NOC. So it started out with some volunteers. And along the way, you know, actually the first router at Black Hat was a Cisco router and the switch and they realized that this was a lot of work on there so they started inviting best-in-class vendors to come and help them out and so far everyone they've always asked has said yes you can't buy your way into the network operation center now cisco is a premium partner and the official provider of several technologies but it's not something that we could write a check to do you have it's invitation only you have to earn it right and we were invited right that's, that's correct. So would you like me to tell the story of how we got invited? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, so I was at Black Hat in 2016, and we had a partner named RSA NetWitness, who we have an integration with the sandboxing threat intelligence technology called ThreatGrid, and that's how I came over to Cisco through the acquisition. This is the longest alliance partnership that ThreatGrid, now called Secure Mal Malware and Linux, has. And while I was there, my boss, who was the co-founder of the company, we're both at Cisco, said, hey, NetWitness wants an API key so that they can have the record inside the Black Hat knock. I'm like, no problem. So I went over there, gave them the key. They were trying to get to work, and they were doing their thing. And a couple of weeks later, I received an email. It's like, hey, we're going to London in a couple of months. Would you come with us? Because we think you would benefit to have malware analysis on site, someone who could actually run this thing and understand what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. So the, how the workflow there was is you've got RSA, NetWitness, and now it's just the NetWitnesses on their own. But NetWitness, which is doing a full packet capture of all the traffic, and they're able to index all the metadata. Anything that's unencrypted, they can see. They can say, hey, here's how much encrypted data is there. We don't decrypt anything except for the on the net going with the registration because that's the crown jewels, the thing that we're all protecting. If there's a file inside that network stream and they're not sure if it is malicious or not, then it's automatically carved out of NetWitness and they want to send us somewhere for sandboxing. That's what ThreatGrid or Secure Malware and Likes does for Cisco. So I brought the API key and it was just me and a laptop by myself in London with all these really cool folks and they adopted me into their group. I became an honorary NetWitness person. They gave me T-shirts, fed me, and stuff like that. Nice. And then invited me to come to the next one, which was in Singapore. 
or Black Cat Asia. And while we were there, we had a really good experience, as they said, let me write a blog about it. And one of the Black Cat Knock leads, his name is Bart Stump, said, hey, don't you guys have DNS? I said, yeah, we do. It's like, you know, we've been using this other product. We think that you guys have better visibility. Would you mind bringing that? And so I was like, yeah, no problem. So I got a hold of a buddy of mine who's now on our team and said, would you give Black Hat an instance of Cisco Umbrella so that they could have better DNS visibility? We'd, what's interesting about Black Hat is we have to allow such bad stuff to happen there. Yeah. So you have to have a network that allows classrooms to attack each other, attack the instructor server, but then not attack the classroom next door, which has happened in the past, not attack the attendees, which has happened in the past, not attack the rest of the Internet, which has happened in the past. So when you have this DNS from Umbrella, we have to turn off the default security settings and have visibility into what is happening, but then take action if someone directly attacks us. And every year we say, here's how many blocks we would have had if we were in a you know, technical environment. But that ability to create those classrooms and help have people so they can demonstrate malware, they can show their buddy something really cool, they can have this educational thing but then not harm others. That's where, you know, Meraki really came in. So when we were asked to have, you know, to build a network as well for Black Hat Asia this spring, thank goodness, you know, it was like, First of all, the answer was, yes, we'll help you out. They called us six weeks before and said the last folks dropped out. What can you do? And the answer was, yes, we'll help you. And then it was like, wow. how do we actually do this? That's a fast <laughs> so just Cisco to a whole lot, right? So thankfully, we were able to find some champions within Meraki because we knew it would be easy to, to use. We were already using Meraki Systems Manager because similar conversation during the pandemic, I received a text message, can you call me from one of their, their leaders? And this was right a couple of weeks, well, it was like three months before Black Hat USA 2021. And if you're ever in the Black Hat, remember years ago, you'd have to go with your laptop. There'd be laptops there. You'd go there and put in your email address, and then you, you would get your registration. They wanted to make it easier. They was like, let's have QR codes, walk up, scan them on an iOS device, and then it automatically prints, show your ID. Well, the vendor who was providing the endpoint detection response for laptops didn't have something for iOS devices. So they said, don't you have something like that? Again, how it works, right? It's like, yeah, we do. It's Meraki Assistance Manager. So we right. brought that in and managed 325 devices the first year. And then Black Hat USA last year was 1,000 devices. So what the moral of that story is we had already been using Meraki Assistance Manager at Black Hat. So we're like, yeah, let's go ahead and invite Meraki first. Mm -hmm. So that's how we got to really get to know the Meraki folks. This Black Hat event sounds um, really a fascinating place. I mean, you've got, you've got an interesting demographic coming along here. They, they are, uh, what do we call them? What's the correct term these days? Friendly hackers? What's the, what's the right way to describe it? It's called ethical, ethical hackers. Ethical, ethical hackers. Yeah. They're white hats at Black Hat, right? Yep. Right, yep. right. So, I mean, really, if you think about building a network, frankly, building a network at an event is challenge enough on its own, especially when it's not your own turf. Um, and then and then bringing in this this additional dimension. I mean, that's that's huge. Um, that's a huge challenge. Um, Evan, I, I wanted to ask you about, you know, your experiences at the uh, at the events that you've worked on this year, because I think these are these have been 
um, really big challenges for you. And uh, and just mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that story and that experience. Certainly. Uh, so you know, my 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 nine to five day job is a sales engineer, and uh, there's 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 nothing quite like using the technology that you sell. Uh, and I think with Black Hat, it's more than just using it's it's honestly stress testing. Uh, because, you know, while you do have a lot of white hats at this convention, you, know, you certainly do have a couple of black hats, right? Uh, and, and just a quick little story is is during uh, Black Hat Vegas, which took place in early August, uh, we actually had someone outside uh, disable a traffic light. Uh, so it created a huge traffic jam getting into the venue. Uh, you know, and that, that goes to show you that some people, some people certainly are are there to <laughs> cause trouble there to make a name for themselves rather than uh, have people uh, enjoy the trainings uh, that they've spent thousands of dollars for mm. uh, at some point at, at some point so uh, yeah essentially one of the reasons why Meraki is so successful when it comes to events like Black Hat is because 95% of the configuration that you do is prior to even getting feet on the floor in the convention center. Mm -hmm. There's nothing quite like having a, uh, a a network that you can configure and deploy uh, and, and and change configuration on that then gets deployed to the network device as soon as you plug it in and it, and it gets a connection to the internet. Uh, so when we're talking about Meraki and the way that we sort of approach this, really a lot of the legwork comes months before we actually get there because Meraki is so scalable, it is such a simple solution for us to be able to make meaningful changes uh, and meaningful configurations to mm -hmm. keep people safe uh, and to secure the network. And, and I mean, of course, I would tend to agree with that. I think uh, I think that's been obviously one of the strengths we've always enjoyed of the product. But it, but it ain't all plain sailing, right? No matter what equipment you deploy, I mean, there there are always challenges just that are not related to the equipment they're really related to building a network those challenges right mm -hmm. getting that right so uh, i i my understanding is that, that you had some fun with the uh, with the wi-fi uh, in, yeah. in vegas and I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully but how would you certainly <laughs> certainly yeah and you know not not to get not to get too deep in the weeds here uh, but essentially we have people running around with scanners um who are trying to spoof SSIDs, trying to spoof uh, access points, um, et cetera. And the amount of information that we could, we could encapsulate and understand with an air marshal uh, under, under wireless settings is fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for those of you who are, aren't aware, uh, essentially every single Meraki access points has a dedicated radio that is responsible for uh, essentially uh, what I would say providing signal quality within the air, so so understanding our airspace, and then also uh, being able to detect what sort of SSIDs are being broadcasted, uh, and also detecting when people are trying to maliciously broadcast a network. Uh, so, and just to give you a quick example of some things that we uh, found in, in, in Black Hat Vegas, essentially, is someone was going around with a uh, a, a device that was essentially spamming the authentication packets on the on the network uh, yeah. in the airspace, and essentially what this would do is that if let's say you're at your home and you're connected to your computer and everything's great and the internet's great, and someone 
spams a whole bunch of deauthentication packets. Essentially, your computer will get de- disconnected from the internet. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, we we had people in uh, certain training rooms complain that they were not able to connect to the network, and it went through a pattern of. You know, if you looked at a map, you would see exactly where the person is walking with this, with wow. this, uh, you know, essentially with with this device, uh, deauthing people from the network, and we we get call after call as this person uh, walked around. Um, essentially, we we checked our marshal and we saw what what this person was doing, uh, and from there we decided to encrypt our our auth and deauth frames so essentially the setting is called 802.11w for all those who are interested under access control uh, but as soon as we hit that button it all stopped uh, because now your your auth and deauth is uh, is encrypted and and right. you know it's it's any device that that sees those unencrypted deauth frames that are coming from this scanning device uh, it, it wouldn't matter anymore uh, we kept one SSID open, and we actually had some some people walk around with scanners on their on their devices trying to find who this person was. Uh, we got close at some point, and they turned it off. And you know, of course, this conference is full of thousands of people, so it's really hard to to see exactly who it is at times. Um, mm-hmm. But we certainly got close to seeing who it was, and I think they got the message, and things things subsided after a couple of hours for sure. It's <laughs> hilarious. Um, I, I probably didn't feel hilarious at the time. Um, the the uh... This this authentication component or, or encrypting encrypting that the eighty two dot one W that you mentioned, mm-hmm. I mean here is a genuine random question which I'm not sure of the answer to. I'm just this is general genuine curiosity. Uh, why are we not using that from the get go anyway? Is it about openness and make it easier for all devices to get connected? Yeah, that is. Right. We had to have a conversation with the Black Hat leadership. You know, like here's the problem. This is what is happening. Here's how we protect it. But we, this, you know, again, let's back to what you said, Simon, openness. So do we take this measure? Are we going to degrade openness if we do that? And what's the trade-off there? Go ahead, Evan. Yeah, exactly that. And and the other part about that, too, is uh, during this last event in London, we, we had that on to, to begin with. Um, and it was a decision uh, that was that was kind of handed down to us is while we – there are things that we can do obviously up front to create a very secure network. Uh, the, the point of this is that in, in some SSIDs, people can attack each other and other ones and other ones, they, they can't and they can't even see each other. And, you know, we just have to be very flexible in the way that we, we deploy this uh, on a per SSID basis. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Um, so that, so you got on top of this in the end, uh, you, you managed to get by the, what was it by the end of the conference or, uh, some way through you got uh, you got things working smoothly again correct correct yeah and and uh every day in 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 uh the las vegas conference uh there were certainly a, a challenge every single day uh but yes this this one in particular uh we we it started and ended the same day so we, yeah, it's just we got a few hours care of pretty fast i'm like hey this is what the problem is and pinpoint it and then just have a sit down it's like here's how we can stop it from occurring because it it was disrupting classes where people spent a lot of money and it was right. the last day of training as well. It kind of looked like someone who had come, it wasn't there the whole four days come and got their badge for the briefings. And then like, I'm going to walk the halls and mess with people, you know, mm. it must, well, it must be a risk, but, uh, but what a learning opportunity in, in a way, right? There's no, no better way to learn a very steep learning curve. I'm sure. I, I would, I would say that uh, it, to give an analogy. It's like when, 
if you're straightening your hair and you burn your ear straightening your hair and you 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 know not to do that again right and you 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 learn that lesson from the first burn and <laughs> i would say uh blackhead is very much like that where you you do something and you're like oh man uh, next time we're going to do things a little differently we're going to do things better and 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 there we go the next time <laughs> we avoid that yeah, and hats off to Evan and his team. You know, we had six weeks before Black Hat USA where there's over 20,000 people attending. We had six weeks to plan it. We started the planning during Cisco Live in the same building. Mm-hmm. And then four weeks, and then go get all the gear that we need from the Central Warehouse plus the stuff we donated for Black Hat Asia, get it shipped over in time. And then two weeks prior to the event, our lead engineer left the company. So we had to go like, who... Who wants to be in the hot seat with me from Meraki? Uh-huh. So Evan stepped up. I'm like, okay, let's go. Come, come join our meetings. And <laughs> what's inter- interesting about Black Hat USA is we rip out every single switch in that facility. So O'Reilly switches had to be delivered and plus in the server room for the core and things like that. And we weren't able to plan any of that switching allocation until we arrived on site because the venue wasn't able to participate in that so Evan arrives on site and they're like where do you want to put the switches <laughs> you know wow. so we've got six days to build an inter- uh, enterprise class network of 200 APs and 80 switches and then also there were still a hybrid environment so mm-hmm. all of the briefings had to be live streamed as well so the night before these briefings we had to go and deploy all switches in all those places and then, so they wanted port security as well in case someone unplugged uh-huh. something and plugged it back in. The issue was that the AV people didn't get the memo or didn't care. So they're like, plug, unplug. And so, of course, those switches went off. <laughs> so, he, you know, it's a, right. a secure, you know, with any security, it's that trade off between availability and security. So it, it was nonstop action. Yes, I think a lot of networks get built and people just assume that uh, because there's a port, you can do whatever you like with it and you're going to get connectivity when you when you plug in. And then quite yeah, like the that. Switches in the hall, like the switches in the closet, they're protected, but the ones that are sitting there on the desk in the back of the briefings room, you know, we're at a hacker conference. So you can't just have those available. Anyone go stick what they want in there and have access to our network. So we had to have port security on there. Mm-hmm. And just guy, I think this leads us to a really a really good segue as far as really the, the power of of APIs and not not just on the Meraki side, but on our collaboration channels with Slack, um, with all the other vendors and how using APIs and the openness of Meraki and these other platforms really help us develop strong integrations mm-hmm. uh, and and Jessica's mentioning port security and the the port security feature that they that black hat wanted us to implement wasn't necessarily something that was available right from the dashboard but what we have from the dashboard is a whole bunch of syslog events and for those who don't know what syslogs are essentially it, it is an event that um that a network device will encounter and 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 w- will report on so for instance a syslog event could be somebody unplugging something and through essentially getting a syslog events uh, or getting the syslog events, we're able to, through APIs, um, program what we want to happen when that event occurs and then basically send a configuration command back to Meraki. And the really cool thing that we did is we developed a essentially a port security 
feature across all of Meraki switches where we simply had to point at which switches we wanted to implement this. But as soon as someone unplugged something and the syslog event came into the server, we were able to scrape that and then deploy a command that says disable that port. And so from there, we essentially automated the process of, uh, of port security. And that, that is really just the start of the really powerful integrations that we get with all of the vendors at uh, at, at Black Hat. I, I go into another story, but I want to I back up. Tevin's point is there is so much innovation mm -hmm. happens here. That's why we really enjoy going. You know, we built an integration with Rocky and SecureX, the XDR, with the Rocky dashboard. It's something that had been asked for a while. We needed a Black Hat, so our engineers built it, and now and we handed over the source code to it to the engineers so they can build it for the public. So it's just constant innovation and right. automation. And these APIs are what have enabled all this, right? I mean, it just really does create such opportunity for innovation. And anytime you see an opportunity to make a workflow better or, or solve a problem, you've got a you've got more tools that you can potentially access and bring in to help you help you get it. Certainly. And one of the things from our side, Simon, is so another another quick story, too, here is is so I mentioned Slack earlier. And, and the reason why Slack is, is integral to this. And, and by the way, this could also be WebEx as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be Slack. This was just a collaboration tool that we were using uh, is, uh, you know, we had a, an event in, in Umbrella come up where a device was pinging a known Trojan server. So essentially a, a Trojan, which is a type of virus on someone's computer, was ping, pinging a server uh, waiting for commands as far as what to do with this person's computer. Uh, and as we saw that event, uh, we were able to actually, you know, export that event via API to Slack. And it would say, hey, you know, this is a, a, a server that's being pinged. It is known as a malicious site. Here is the IP address of the, or the private IP address of the person who, who is coming from. Uh, and this is the access point that they're connected to. And, you know, as, as I look up this person's device on Meraki, I could actually get a, a very accurate location as far as where that person is based on their device. And, you know, from that, we have literally top-down visibility into what, you know, what device is, is, is infected and then where geographically that is. And it was me and, and one of the heads of, of event management went down and literally the, the, the dot that they were on, on the, the location on the Meraki dashboard was within a meter of where they were sitting, which is absolutely nice. incredible. So we were able to go to that person's device, ask for the, the name of their of their Windows device, and from there we, we just told them, hey, look, you, you have a Trojan on your device. We don't know where, where when it, uh, you know, how you got it, but it's here, and you should get that looked like looked at. And the uh, the person, I feel really bad because they were in marketing and not at all uh, a techno technologist at all. They were just like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking and, about? Um, yeah, so so you know, and and we were able to to take that take that person's device, and also really track and see what 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 data that Trojan was was passing through, um, and 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 just getting all of that network visibility from Meraki at the endpoint, uh, all the way up to some of the security tools that we have at, at Cisco, all through the power of APIs is is I mean the sky's the limit with what you could do and and mm -hmm. and what sort of logic you could build out. Now we pretend it was a Trojan misbehavior. It's back to the original technology that Black Hat asked us to bring back in 2016, which was ThreatGrid Secure Malware Analytics. Mm -hmm. So it all just keeps building and building and building on each other.
Amazing. And and what a what an environment to learn in. I mean, you're really you're just learning so fast in in that kind of venue. I mean, I, obviously, I've I've seen your blog post, Jessica, and we'll link to that in the uh, in the description for this episode, so other people can have a look at that as well. Uh, but I'm I'm just I'm thinking that's a that's certainly one way in which you can capture some of these experiences for future reference because you know all this all this learning is happening so fast. How do you actually cement it so that you can really take it to the next the next event that you go to? Yeah, Evan says that he he leaves each podcast thinking, "Here's five things I never ever want to do again, or what to learn." And right, and then you you just keep learning and growing because it's a fast pace. They say that, you know, as we talk to some of knock leads, it's a real pressure cooker, and mm-hmm. it's raw language. And we brought a whole thing of snorties to London. We brought about twenty five snorties. And just you might have to explain people, what those are. You might have to explain. I know. Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. The, squeeze, the squeezable pigs, you know, from Snorty Open Source IDS, yeah. Yeah. and they're the Black Cat version that we were handing out Black Cat USA. So as we we're packing up Vegas, I threw two dozen of them in our boxes for London, and we just started passing them out. And very quickly, they were <laughs> flying back and forth across the the sock inside the knock. And we're throwing out of each other. A stress <laughs> relief, you know, because. In the end, yeah. you know, the technology yeah. is technology, but the people is what make it work, and it's a really high-stress environment. So what they did is we actually had the head of the Security Operations Center for Paris 2024 Olympics embedded with the Cisco team, and he was there to learn about what we were doing, and he jumped right in. He was there five days. <laughs> I had talked with him beforehand. He had been in our planning meetings, but he showed up and started deploying APs. You know, he was right in it. And I talked about like, what are some of the lessons you learned from this, and the people is really you know, one about these of use of Meraki and the different tools, integrations and stuff. But how to keep highly skilled people in a high pressure environment motivated and engaged for 12 hours at a time. So we we really discussed some of those lessons. And what we do is we make it like you're hanging out with a bunch of your friends. You know, there's music playing, right. there's movies playing in the background with the sound off, and and just have the ability to say the truth. And if there's a problem, that it doesn't matter which technology is the issue or what configuration or who made a mistake or what someone knew or the attack or what it is, we all just pitch in. doesn't matter what, you know, all the teams pitch in to help fix it. It's a great story. And I, I love how you've humanized that as well because it's, it is. It's about the people. It's very easy to, to get uh, really drawn into the tech itself, but uh, at the end of the day, it's humans that interact with it all. It's humans that are impacted by any challenges that come up, uh, and of course, it's humans that build the team that that make it all happen. So, great point. And and I think the other thing I wanted to to sort of ask you about was how you took all of these learnings because it sounds like there was a lot in Vegas um, to London. I mean, was was London a walk in the park last week? How did that go? Yes and no. <laughs> Luckily, uh, yeah. Evan got his team together every week. We had a t- meeting with Black Hat every week, but Evan had a meeting, a Meraki meeting on WebEx space. So I'll let him talk about that, but he he invested the time. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And uh, and, and back to what Jessica said, it, it is about the people, right? Because, I mean, Meraki is an awesome technology, but it, it's also about the people behind the scenes. And thankfully with Meraki, of course, you know, we don't need – CCIE, CCNPs, or CCNAs uh, run, running the Meraki network uh, and digesting the information on it. 
So the head of SOC at the Paris Olympics, uh, as Jessica said, dove right in uh, and essentially was able to find find clients, uh, essentially able to look at air marshal events and deploy or and and come to a lot of really great conclusions based on that. Um, and also, could you re ask the question again, Simon? I think I might have lost it. <laughs> no worries. Uh, it is Monday morning here. So uh, I, I was just really asking about how the experience compared. So after after everything you'd been through in Vegas, I have to imagine that uh, you were able to take all these learnings like we were talking about and, and apply them to London and make it a walk in the park. Certainly, certainly. Documentation is key there. Documentation at 100% is key in terms of learning, learning, uh, you know, mistakes, mistakes in the past. Also, the the topology and the the amount of space was was quite different as well. So, uh, from a from a space perspective, I mean, uh, Black Hat Vegas is I believe two million square feet, and I would say that London certainly has a lot of people there, but the space is a little bit more contained. Uh, additionally, we also didn't really own the the venue switching environment, uh, so we did have to adjust for 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 that as well. Uh, and the great thing with our firewalls is that our firewalls are able to basically concentrate wireless traffic through encrypted tunnels back to them. So anything that's in between an access point and these 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 firewalls is all encrypted. So if anyone hypothetically were to take a switch that we don't own and manage and try to essentially listen into uh, to people's conversations or whatever traffic is being uh, is being sent back and forth through access points, uh, they couldn't because it's, it's encrypted. Just like uh, an IPsec tunnel or you know a VPN right. tunnel would be would be encrypted across two different uh, two different firewalls. So that was uh, certainly the challenges were were a little bit different there. I, and some some of the challenges that presented themselves during the conference were certainly different from Vegas, uh, but I would say in general, yeah, documentation is key there, and and the 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 event went a lot uh, a lot more smoothly to the point where we might have been throwing a couple snorties at each other out of boredom uh, for for a couple of the hours. <laughs> Someone asks us, you know, how's it going? And on the second to last day, so well, no fires after lunch. <laughs> so that was our it was like a, that's a win. Yeah, the last thirty six hour of the conference, it was was everything was operating just smooth. Yep. Wow. So it gets better every time. I I guess you're already looking forward to events in twenty three. Am I would I be right about that? What's the next one? Yeah, so it's invitation only. Uh, Black Cat will take a look at their needs for the upcoming year. Starting with Black Cat Asia in May in Singapore and in the early part of twenty twenty three they'll extend invitations. It's not a given. That will be there, but we come, you know, we come motivated and with the technology and the, as they've said on stage, help them out in a jam. So, in some capacity, Cisco will definitely be there. You know, we'll, we're prepared to deliver everything that we have in the past, plus whatever else they need. All right. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that then. Um, well, so as we as we mentioned. Uh, as as just we bring this to a close, I mean, Jessica, you we mentioned your uh, blog post, and is that a really good place to kind of get a feel for the event overall. And, and I guess for people who are interested listening to this and, and wondering about uh, Black Hat and where they can learn a bit more and our involvement in that, what would you recommend? Yeah, absolutely. Take, you know, that's where the Cisco will say, go check out the blog. And there's links to a video there that shows Evan and his buddy Paul on the mobile device doing awesome stuff. And you also will see a Black Hat USA. There were some challenges. Yeah, there absolutely were about, you know, with the number of changes that 
were requested from the AV. I put the the team that was in the venue deploying APs behind. So when the conference hall opened, there was seven APs that weren't online. And you know, looking at maps, having this first time about that we provide the Wi-Fi to that venue. When the people actually start queuing up, thousands and thousands of people outside the business hall, they overwhelm the APs there. Mm. How do you manage that? How are we able to quickly adapt to the reality of the situation, deploy more switches, deploy more APs, configure it? <laughs> Literally, be Evan and his team w walking to deploy the switches and the APs, one of them carrying them and the other one configuring it in the Meraki dashboard as they go. <laughs> and plug them in and they're working. So it was yeah. just nonstop constant. The least sleep I've had since I was in the military, for sure. Ouch. Um, Evan, any, any sort of thoughts from you as far as uh, folks who are interested in learning more? Certainly. Certainly the blog's a great place to go. Uh, and I would say in terms of that, um, get, get your hands on gear and, and, and get in the trenches and get dirty, essentially. You know, that's, yeah. that's the best way to learn. It's the best way for me to learn. Uh, you know, and, and, and for those who may be listening and considering a vendor for a conference that maybe you're hosting or you're running, uh, consider Meraki. I mean, it's, it's as Jessica said, you, while people are going to deploy uh, switches, access points, and things change and, and plans change, one person's there configuring, the other person's, you know, plugging it in. And it's, it doesn't get any better than that with, with the power and scale of the cloud. So that's Meraki makes it simple. Uh, and you know, that, that layer of simplicity is what is crucial in terms of deploying a, a network in just a couple short days for thousands and thousands of people. And they're tearing it all down in a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And thousands and thousands of, of people who are uh, pushing the limits in, in, in all kinds of interesting ways as well. Correct. Correct. Yeah. All right. Well, I can't think of a better way to, uh, to wrap it up than that. So thank you both very much for, for taking the time to be on the show today. Uh, are you looking forward to the holidays break? Can't so, come soon yeah. enough, let me tell you. Come in someplace <laughs> warm. <laughs> yep, I'll definitely agree with that one. Okay, well, we're going to wrap it up here. That's the end of uh, Meraki Unbox for 2022. Uh, thank you again for our guests uh, joining us and taking the time, and also for all of you for listening to Meraki Unboxed. Um, if you're not already a subscriber, please do hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app because we do want to make sure we put a lot of effort into these episodes. We want to make sure that you're getting those and, and receiving those as soon as they're released, which is every two weeks apart from now because we take a little break uh, over the holidays. Uh, we'll be back in around middle of January with the next episode of Meraki Box, so be sure to tune in for that. Uh, but in the meantime, from our guests uh, and from me as well, very happy holidays. To all of you, and wish you a very happy and successful 2023. Uh, see you in the new year. Bye-bye for now.